It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Uh, he stares in the eyes of the now. man who despises him. And you see, like my real mother said when I came out the womb, my little black sister was raised in the air like this. And she was proud because I was going to take after her and not give her to the Welcome to Flight 3D. This is your captain speaking. We ask that you please note the emergency exits and safety signs in the event our journey becomes just. Super Nick can put a basketball down. He leaped tall, Super Nick in a single bound. Super Nick ain't got no degrees, he ain't got no time for that. Street corner, crack houses, projects, his natural habitat. Super Nintendo got super strength, speed, and agility. So it's understandable when the cops beat him down to the best of their ability. Super Nintendo has no supervision. Instead, he has super inches between 17 and 25 super inches used to satisfy them super systems. Well, they clone little black girls who won't die but fight. Well, they clone little black girls who supplement stamina for endless struggles to write. Will they clone little black girls like Asada, Sonia, Tubman, knowing what they know? Will they clone little black girls like Nikki, Zora, Mommy, Grandma, who orchestrate training? nobody got more than us. Aspiring artists sing saliva in their palms, producing hits, making noise with their fists. Lanky limbos and astros break beats and pop locks on dance floors. Let me talk to you for a second. Welcome. This is Industry Mondays, the business of spoken word. I'm Jacqueline Taylor Adams, and I am your host for this moment in time. Tonight, our special guest is host, poet, performer, business savvy, enterprise, sweet chef, Francois, and she's going to come on and we're going to hear, we're going to experience her, um, find out, you know, who she is as a person, who she is as a poet, as a business person, and we're going to understand how she um, lives by her art and has turned her art into a ways and means of a business. So um, before we bring um, Sweet Franchon on, we also have people in the chat room. And um, we got Robbie Baby, poet. And I see he's been in here a few times. And Franchon is here, so... I am going to open up the mic. If you like to um, do a cipher, you need to call on in. The call-in number is 
646-716-7994. Again, that calling number is 646-716-7994. And hello, sweet Francois. Peace, Jacqueline. How are you? Peace. How are you? All is well, all is well. Great, great. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me today. Okay. Well, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. You definitely fit the bill over here. And um, our main goal over here on Industry Mondays is to, as part of the mission of the Master Grill Project, to make um, to help poetry become a viable industry, so more of our artists can live by their art, and we want to show poetry's diversity. You know, we want people stop looking at it just one way, and there are many ways you can view it, many ways you can use it, many ways you can interact with it, and we want to um, just expand minds and in, in, in that mission create opportunities. So we want to just show people that are doing it, people with great advice. And and then, you know, hopefully, you know, we come out in a mix with something new, even better. <laughs> right, that sounds good. I mean, that's, that's why I'm glad to be on the show today. Um, you know, just for those who try to find me, I like to at least spell my name for them because it's kind of difficult the first time you hear it. It's sweet as in a hotel suite franchise. But it's S U I T E S R A N C H O N. You can find us at teachofpoetry.com as well. Um, one of the things I like to start off saying is that, you know, I'm thankful that I'm having the opportunity to grow and expand as a poet, as a performer, and it's led into other areas that I'm able to make it a viable business. And it continues to grow, and we continue to expand, we continue to reach the masses, so I'm really thankful for that, and I want to share a few things um, off the bat with some poets, if you don't mind, that the first thing you got to do is be clear, just like in any business, your vision, your mission, and your purpose. I started out with my mission, my vision is just to create local entertainment, um, local entertainment production and develop artists, that could develop artists and focus on independent artists in Delaware because, you know, we oftentimes have to roll the Philly in New York or D.C., some of the biggest cities, to just have a platform to participate and perform as poets. And um, that was the first thing I did. The second thing I did is, like, well, if I'm going to do this and go out here and share a piece of my soul, well, what is that mission? And my mission was to provide quality entertainment and also some products, mostly a book and CDs and things like that, eventually is what I said to myself. Um, the mid-sized cities, the cities that have a demographic very much like Wilmington, where we have access to larger cities, but we have, you know, we want something of, to call our own and to highlight local talent so that they can use this as a platform to go into the larger cities like the Philadelphia and New York of the world. And then I eventually developed my... My purpose is had to be an extension of my personality, which is to demonstrate the creator's love and grace through artistic expression. So I just I share that right away because I hope that poets recognize that, you know, most of the time this is a soulful journey for us. And so you want to be clear about the criteria so that you're not just going around mic, how I say it, 
um, you know, being a micro, so to speak, and you can have some direction and purpose on where you choose to perform and who you think will receive your message and your word um, openly and encourage you to grow. Okay. So are you originally from um, Delaware, born and raised there? Yes, born and raised, but the good news is, you know, unlike some people, my family, uh, my grandmother and my great-grandmother um, are from New York, Brooklyn, in fact. And so okay. therefore, <laughs> a large segment of my family was in Brooklyn. So growing up, when most people would go down south for the summer holidays, I was I was told to catch a train in New York and someone to meet me at the garden, you know, and... Um, <laughs> the same thing. I had two aunts up in New York. <laughs> yeah, so you know, I got and that really opened up my um, my creative mind and imagination. It was just a great place when you are artistic and you don't feel like you quite fit into these smaller towns or whatever. It was a great place to learn to be free in who I am and just to explore the various um, diversities that exist in New York and just being able to sit and people watch at Prospect Park and things like that was just so, um, just left a real full imprint um, on my heart and in my mind growing up. And it also, you know, because I was forced to catch the train by myself at a young age, I, you know, learned to be very savvy, learned to watch people and learn to, you know, trust my instincts and my senses. You know, New York is a great place to learn how to be a real survivor, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I do believe that um, if I had not had those summers in Brooklyn, that I would probably have never tapped into my creative spirit. Or, you know, eventually, because eventually, I guess I should say, that's your sole purpose, you eventually do it, You don't, if you don't suppress it. But it was one of the places I really got to... Um, to really, really grow and to really just um, become a flower there. So I love New York for that. Okay. So um, we're gonna we're gonna go on because I, you know, I want to talk to you more when they kind of break down the story. You know, um, you know, how do you mix the creative with the the business? And um, mm-hmm. you know, and you obviously have a gift. You know, even being good in business is a gift. Um, but before we move on, so people can feel you a little bit more, we're going to play one of your pieces, Feel uh, the Dreams, okay? So we're going to just okay. feel the dreams on, and we're going to come back more and talk some more with Sweet Franchon. And also the link is, if you go to the chat room, the link and everything is in the chat room. Before you, I was playing the game of pieces. Pieces of men danced around the field of loneliness. Scattered pieces of defeat and brokenness. You blew in like a gentle breeze and scattered the remnants of those that turned out to be narcissistic and unbalanced. You brought with you sweet, sweet music keeping rhythms of my heart's drum beat, calming my emotions with a consistent bass line of straightforwardness and honesty, holding my hands to guide me out of the cluttered confusion of cheaters, liars, and emotional immaturity, seeking me, seeing me, knowing me in a 
natural way. So relieved, I, I grabbed your hand, anxious to dive into the unknown, ready to do something different. I followed the drums, the familiar rhythm that agrees to my own heart's longing, held on to the bass line and its anchoring of the harmonic framework yet to come. She felt the melody of the keyboard that tickled to my stomach with the excitement of things to become. And I decided immediately to dance with you into the unknown and risky business of love. Letting my soul lead as it tunes itself to the music of possibilities and hopefulness. Finally, leaving behind broken pieces of men. Behold, Stands a whole man that is leading the dance into a field of dreams. Some beautiful music with that. Who did the music? Um, a brother by the name of Ion did What I O W N? I O O M. Okay. You can find him on my Facebook page. You know, it was you know I was just trying to. Do some testing on some tracks, and so that was the reason I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, that's real nice. And again, a, a shout out to everybody in the chat room, to Robbie, author, publisher, and a few people been in and out. Just a shout out to everybody there. And um, just to give a word to Robbie, said he's not sure if he fits in, and I told him, you fit in where you are. Your lesson at this time may be to search and seek. Might need to be in yeah. a place that you start to seek things out. <laughs> Sometimes we have yeah. to be pushed. <laughs> indeed, indeed. You need to search things. That's what's important. Yes. And, okay, so how did you, uh, I mean, were you a born business person? Were you always like this? Did you go to school for business? Or, you know, you're just always was good at putting things together, events, and, you know, or were you just that person? No, nah, I never I events I never thought I'd be producing events because I don't really like you know when I did my wedding it drove me crazy you know what I mean <laughs> but uh, uh, the evolution started as I was always a writer I was always the closet shy girl that would write and write and write you know what I mean mm-hmm. and um, you know being sent to my room you know just the introverted type of person and always loved to read and people watch and just, you know, always think that I had a, I mean, I was born to write and, um, excuse me, and from there, uh, (laughs) I hear you, Robbie, say wedding drivers, I know that's right, Um, but, uh, and then um, 
I never envisioned. I wanted to be a film director, I think I recall, when I was younger. I wanted to be a film director, and then I think I wanted to be um, sort of like a newscaster or something. And, and I found out that they didn't write their own stuff. That was before, you know, reality and all this other stuff and the Internet. So I, I didn't like being put in a box. I never liked being put in a box, label. I never liked that stuff and doing what everybody expected me to do. So... Um, I went to college, went to the University of South LU. Um, I left there and went to the military. And then that's where I really had a chance to just do what I wanted to do in in that school. And I always loved music. I always loved um, plays and things like that. So the evolution took place from all of those little nuggets throughout my life. And then I started doing, um, i got to say a shout-out to this person right here because he doesn't know, but i got to give him credit for the reason I even do poetry publicly. This is born in that boy Dave in Philly. I've got to shout out to him. Okay, um, yeah. <laughs> when I was going through a divorce, um, you know, I saw this thing online saying, you know, check out Poe Jazz, you know, with um, Otavio Jazz Band, you know, the infamous Otavio in Philadelphia. And um, I, I stopped by. It was a Wednesday night. I stopped by, and I was like, yo, this is cool music. Poetry people, this is cool vibe. I'm digging it, you know. Mm-hmm. This is my the things I saw when I was traveling in the military. This is what I want to get back to. I started going a couple of times, and one time it was hardly anybody there, and that boy Dave called me out on stage. He was like, yo, I don't know who that girl in the red is. She must be a square from Delaware, some mess like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, not, you know, being, a, being the girl that I am, and, you know, I can't be called out and not say anything. And so um, I got up there, and uh, he and Brother Omar kind of coaxed me through it and said, you know, just feel it. And, I, you know, I, I was scared to death, you know, being shy. I'd never been on stage before. And um, I closed my eyes, and I listened to the music, and the rest is history, as they say. You know what I mean? And um, I knew I loved it. I don't want to do it. I started hosting shows with John Barber. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so he called me on it the hostess poetry segment of um, Blue Funk. So shout out to John Barber, my brother. And um, so he just began to embrace me. You know, I got to share the stage with um, a lot of people at the five spot might remember that. So that was the time I got started. And just being in that environment, that silly vibe just really, really encouraged me. Uh, But then my um, career took off, and I couldn't get out as much as I wanted to. So I started a little open mic here in Delaware. It was just me and a microphone, that's it. And it became okay. one of the most popular events here. It was at this place called um, Wild South Cafe. So, you know, my platform has evolved as I've evolved. So it started out as fun, an open mic, just to have a little bit of fun with it, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. um, I came off the scene because I was executive director at a community center, so I started doing things with not, you know. Um, shout out to Dave. I see my brother's on. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it started out, and then I, I I came off the scene for about ten years, tried to mentor some people to get them to do it, and you know how it goes is as you grow spiritually, and I realized that I need this in my life. I must have agreed to do this, and what kind of platform can I set up now that is um, that shows to demonstrate who I am as a woman now. And um, I've been, you know, doing community economic development, nonprofit, and business business with so many people. I'm like, hey, let me create something 
that I like and, you know, be serious about the business of it. And as they say, the rest is history. I added the music. I always knew I needed music. Um, I like music because I don't want to get bored with, you know, people ego tripping all the time. And uh, after I added music, then I added, I, want, I wanted some acting involved. And then I, you know, brought in the live band and brought in just more and more people to to support me. And the product continues to evolve, so we have multiple products now. I'll pause now if you want to talk about that, and then we'll talk about that a little more. But it's been a constant evolution going from just an open mic to, you know, getting the getting confidence to share things to my Philly, the Philly embracing me and encouraging me, and then going from there to start my own open mic here in Delaware because I saw a void, I saw a need, a niche for myself. And, mm-hmm. um you know, having yeah, I did study marketing at Dell Tech. I got a degree in marketing right now. I'm working on an entertainment degree, entertainment management degree. But yeah, that's how it's it, you know, it's just constantly evolved and I'm constantly trying to keep myself sharp. And I've just decided, you know, recently that I'm it's going to be a full fledged entertainment business because I'm good at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, something you said that you didn't really mention as part of it, but that I hear it which really probably helps you with structure and orders the service and oh, having yeah. discipline. I, I, I forget to mention that to people. I am yeah. an Air Force girl, 13 years in, you know, and mm-hmm. that is good for artists. Um, it's a book I want to recommend to all poets. It's called, most people have read The Art of War, but there's another book called The War of Art, and I'm sorry, I'll look up the, I'll try to get the, um, the author while we speak. But he talks about that. He talks about being disciplined in your craft, and that's what really separates the great from the, those who, you know, nobody ever hears about. Because it's one thing to be a talented artist and gifted. You know, we are free-spirited people, but you have to have some discipline as well so that you can, you know, you're not all over the place. We know artists that do that. Where we're all over the place. I have 100 visions on my board, too, and i got to take them down and put them aside and focus on one or two. At a time, mm-hmm. because if you don't, you you gonna you gonna you gonna hurt yourself, you know, financially. Yeah. And I think that people just, re- you know, artists need to understand from an artist perspective that you gotta sit down and think of it from a business perspective and know that the art is the business. And on the other hand, those who love the art and want the benefit of cultural art. They gotta be willing to pay us to know that this is what we do for a living, and you know, begin to respect that part of it as well. Well, that's true because that's one of the biggest things that um, you know, like we're really working to bring up. Because one of the I, th- I feel the biggest hindrances is um, one people have a very linear view of spoken word. Yes, and they don't. You know, and that's one way artistically. They have a very linear view. Most people view it one way. So if they heard it through Love Jones, then they view it that way. If they heard it from um, the last poets, then they view it that way. If they heard it from, say, a a, a Just Greg, then it's that way. and, And all three of those ways are three totally different styles. Exactly, and three, and and they're not limited in, in the um, and, and that's not the whole realm of it. And I mm-hmm. find um, I, in this perception is not just with people. 
outside of poets, I find the same perception within poets. I actually did a survey back in 2006, and poets took the survey. Not one, barely 1% of poets even viewed spoken word as an industry. Nope. They don't view it as a viable industry. They view it as an art form, as an um, outlet, as a social protest, um, something just to, but they don't view it as actually a viable industry. And, you know, several key things you said. One, your art is a business. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we're we giving gifts and talents to help us navigate life. We're not just right. giving them just because. It's not like God didn't give you these gifts and talents and then you go to work and you play with them on the side. What we're good at, what we're passionate at is what we really should go after because that helps us navigate through life and navigate, honestly, on a happier level. And the more um, happy you are, I was watching Oprah has this Sunday soul thing or whatever, but Mm -hmm. this one man was saying the best way we want to eliminate war and get at your enemy, and they said this is, oh, it was... um, Deep Pro um, Chakra, Deep Pro Chakra. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, Deep Pro Chakra. Um, but he said the best way is to make your enemy happy. Yeah. If you make your enemy happy, he's not angry enough to go to war. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and because he's happy, he's okay where he is. And yeah. um, but you know, just in that we um. That's why if you really have a gift, you pursue the gift. And then, of course, there's a way of evaluating, am I really gifted at this? Am I really good? And then the things we're not good at, um, these and these are standard business lessons. If you're not good at certain things, then um, you just um, you supplement. Like if Say if you're an artist, but you know, I'm not the best business person. Then find yourself a team of people, trusted people that can help help you know they can do to help you do the business part. It doesn't mean that you have to do everything and be all everything. And then those are things where partnerships go. You know, sometimes I just think we limit ourselves so much, and you find it in the businesses like you know, being a lone ranger doesn't work anymore these days. You no, know. and it doesn't. And I'll be frank with you. Um, my experience has been for these last years, I've pretty much done any, everything as far as the business side on my own. I mean, I've been fortunate that I have artists that support me from Philly, Delaware, all over, and, um, you know, come and perform for me. And, you know, we bought it. We do everything we got to do to make it happen. And one thing about it is that, you know, as the promoter, producer, director, and the creative force behind the product, that, you know, I I have to learn to I've had to learn to water what I'm bringing to the table to get people to perform for me, et cetera. So I want to address two things. The first thing is that yes, if you can find a team that's awesome and excellent. However, you can't start by yourself, but you got to know at what point that you are limiting yourself. And I just you know that's happened to me. At this point, I can no longer do it myself. Therefore, I had to hire an administrative assistant. I had to get a manager. Because not only am I a producer that do I produce shows, I'm also an artist who gets booked just to perform. 
So therefore, mm-hmm. I wasn't managing that part of my life well, you know. Like, I was letting bookings drop through because I forget to call someone, whatever, because I'm too busy working on the production two and three mm-hmm. a month. So I had to hire someone to help me with that part so I wouldn't um, blow the gig. So, and yeah. that's just, and that's good business, you know. We're all not good at everything, but normally when you structure a business, you need to understand fully what it takes in business, and and that's where you understand where your strengths and weaknesses are, and that's where you can collaborate, hire, you know, whatever it takes, wherever what point you are in. But um, and and we're in a good time for collaboration right now. I think with the internet and technology, you can really make some really good collaborations. And yeah. um, and that and. And speaking of collaborations, you know, you have been a great resource um, as well. I can always reach out to you and there's some artists. If I need a certain artist for certain events, my brother who's online with us, Mr. David Ware, um, he's not only a publisher, but he's a videographer. He's been capturing all my productions for me, which has been huge for us as far as growing the business, you know, and mm-hmm. video promotions for us as well. And, um, you know, but because he helps me, his business grows. And my business grows mm-hmm. because he helps me, you know what I mean? So we all are winning. Um, we have, uh, there was something else I wanted to mention, because I don't want to lose sight of the purpose, because I'm hoping that those who are listening um, to use me and my experience to help them grow. First things first, going to every open mic is not going to make you money. I'm going to say that again. Attending every open mic is not going to make you money. Have product. Work on having a quality product. For instance, if you work on a CD, great. It doesn't have to even look good as far. You don't have to spend a whole lot of money on packaging. Put your money on the production side. You know what I mean? Thank um, you. So that Let's stop right there. In, Let's stop right there for a moment uh-huh. because... That is so key. I know I say it. I'm not and I'm not an artist, but I am a listener, yes. and I a market artist. You know, help manage artists, market yes. artists. You know, that's my goal. If I wanted, I learned that if I needed to make spoken word a viable industry, and I just did this, and this is a thank you to, and I'm gonna give them a shout out. Um, Just Queen down in Atlanta, Tommy Bottoms, Just Greg, um, Kamika Williams Witherspoon. They were just so nice to me. To me, with just sharing their art, and I know and they give they they got paid back then. They got paid for what they did, but they would do things for me. So I actually started this whole master grill as a way to give back to them because. Um, to me, they were just so good, and I couldn't understand why they weren't getting their due. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you know, in that, um, when in marketing artists, I found out that in order to find a space for spoken word, it's literally within the music industry. That's the closest mm-hmm. thing to a line with it. Right. So how does the music industry function? How do you get around here? So when, when understanding how the music industry and the entertainment industry function, there is where you have to find your pathways for spoken words. So understanding, you know, how the genre itself works so that you're never infringing on the art and then understanding the spaces that are open to navigate. 
And but the one key thing I realize production and everything, these people listening have a very keen ear. And that's why you sometimes wonder how this junk gets on the radio. Some of the mm-hmm. stupidest things that are said has the best production. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so therefore in, in, in repetition you know, that's what they're moving for. They're they're listening for that. And, I mean, it does make a difference. Now, sometimes after you hear things for a while, you can overlook the, you can overlook the, maybe not the quality because you've gotten so into the words. But you have to do that for a while. But when you had a one-shot deals, and when I know a lot of poets say they're not commercial, I'm not trying to be commercial, I got something, you know, I got a message, I'm trying to make a difference. I'm not even trying to get the post to be commercial, to be honest. I see too many people dying out here on an everyday basis, and they've been in my family. And I know for a fact, I've seen kids change in their viewpoints, and I've seen them think differently because they heard of Just Greg in in hip-hop, you know, some young cats and all. And or because they heard Kamika girl stand shoulders go back because she's saying you call me a bitch. She right. showed the indignation of that through a poem, and right. but what does it matter if there's hardly being heard? That's like if if a bear, you know, if a tree falls <laughs> in the woods, you know, right. and that is the importance of doing quality production to have it potentially being able to be heard on more platforms not yeah. just the people you run into. Right. If if you're really serious about saving lives, then now, that means you're that, mm-hmm. you just serious about putting out good work. Yeah. Period. I mean, yeah. all of us have a different reason for writing. You know, somebody saves lives, they youth, whatever. I, my stuff is not youth-based. I ain't going to lie to you. It's not youth-based. Mine is adult-based because there's so many of us as adults going through and trying to get through and work through depression and so many things. Um, but you're absolutely right. Because guess what? If I put it in my CD player and not only the words good but the production is decent, I'm going to share it with somebody. I'm going to buy another one when I see you as a gift or whatever. Because there's so many I put in and then I don't, I'm like, oh, if they were so hot live and then I listen to the production, I can't get through it. You know what I mean? So, I share with people, you know, the cover don't, it's the same thing. Don't judge it by the cover. Don't put all your money in the cover. If that's our money and our resources are limited. Don't spend mm-hmm. your money making a good cover. Make sure when I put it in my CD that it's hot. And that's what's going to make me want to buy more. Um, product, product, product. Another brother I want to shout out to is either for them. He gets it. He gets it. You know, he's doing the multiple cities. He's got multiple products. You know what I mean? He doesn't bombard you, ask you to come out. doesn't overly promote himself. But at the same time, he strategically places himself where he needs to be. And he always has product. And when you get his product, it's a decent product. And you don't mind buying his next one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about that. So, you know, there are a few people, select people. You know, you have the just friends of the world who are... He has his nonprofit, but he's making deals with, you know, he has the commercials on, on, on commercials and stuff like that. And it's okay, people, to want to build your brand in the city you are first. I mean, just, you know, but you got to also recognize, like I tell all the artists that perform with me, 
What's your criteria for performing? What's your criteria? Does it fit into and if you don't know your vision, mission, and purpose, as we talked about before, you're not going to know what you, you're not going to be able to develop quality criteria and therefore be able to be selective about where you perform and make sure you get where you need to be. So we talk, I talk about that to the artists that surround me all the time. Um, but I created, and if you can't find the venue that supports what you do, then create it. That's what I did. I created it. I decided that this is what I would love to see. If I was in a room of going out and spending my time and money, this is what I would like to hang. These are the kind of people I like to be around. And therefore, I created the product um, around that. Yeah. And also, too, um, research. Sometimes you think there's not things around you that actually do exist. Um, yes. You know, that's one of the, um, you know, good things. Um, and I know that's one of the things we're, that's the next project we'll develop with the Master Grill project. It's, it's just a directory. Uh, I actually right. found software where, you know, people can do listings for free, you know, basic listings for free, just to put all the information out there and not just where every poetry event is, but there are associations. There are, um, I've, I've discovered some wonderful things, but you never hear about it. It's right. a couple, it's just like a few, but a couple great magazines. But what if we all got together? We had an important show back in July, June, I think, no, May or June, about the National Poetry Awards. And, uh, right. and the guy came on here out of Florida, and he was saying, he'd been around, he know everybody. And he was saying, you know, he was telling the guy what you need to do is go around to each region and actually get to know people because we don't know one another and then we don't right. know the value of one product. And there's just, there's a lot out here and we're and there's so much good stuff, but it's very regionalized. Right. So, yeah, like... I'm having a hard time, and I know a couple of people. I've been doing this, but I try my best to find who's hiding out, out in, on the West Coast and spoken word, because right. I don't. We don't really hear about them. And then, right. like, but then you'll see verses and flow just came on, and like they're like everybody out here is like, who's those people? I said, well, it's on the West Coast, so they're you know budget wise, you, you take people in your area initially. Until they get you a budget to, that they yeah, can, you have to. Mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. And so I'm saying, but I said, but what we're finding out is not those are people who are hot out in that area. Not that they're being. Some people think they're being, you know, selective, but they're just starting, and they're out in the around, the, I guess, around the LA area. So they're around that area, or either the Bay Area, either one. But they're selecting what's significant around them because that's the resources. So we um, we actually have the opportunity to, you know, we could just do so much more if we actually, like, come together and we create more opportunity for ourselves. Like, okay, instead of having everybody coming up with another poetry awards, I think it's at least five, six, might be about 12 of them out there more. <laughs> mm-hmm. But we can't get one person recognized on a Grammy because we don't come together to do what we need to do to be eligible for the Grammy, and it's not that much. And it is a category for spoken word. I think that's what, what you mentioned earlier, is that, you know, unfortunately behind um, the April and that 
we have to, um, the masses have to understand, I always say this on my stage, that poetry, just like any other form, we have their genres or styles. Um, my style is not a slam poetry style. I'm really more of a traditionalist, and that's, and I, that's why I put it over music, to make it more appealing to those who are used to hearing a different kind of poetry. So um, I want to share this too. I want to let people know because I know some people get a little confused. <laughs> hey, <laughs> <laughs> my girl, tell me love. Hey, girl. Um, so um, we, I created various products because I started out with this thing called Peace of Poetry, which we call PLP now. Um, and it was just what I considered an upgraded open mic. You know, we had a DJ who um, we had a DJ who was there, so we can party between the sets. We always have a live band, so they can play a little bit of music, so we can break it up. So we might have four, five, six poets there have some live music, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they at intermission, so we can get up and dance and stuff like that. But that was that's because it's an extension of my personality. Then I mm-hmm. started responsive to the demographics that was supporting me. Again, business. So, yeah, I might start off creative as an artist, but then I start to listen as a business and figure out what works and what doesn't work as a business. Do I have to, what do I have to do to be able to lower my budget? Of course, I want my future sale to be paid. So what are the things i got to do to make this, a win-win for all parties involved, and so and that's creativity that's right there. That really takes a creative mind um, to do that because I mean some of the most best. You talking about work a budget, or, or you know some of the best artists. <laughs> I, I'll give it to you. Zahar McGill can work a budget. She is an actor, director, producer, and she's the founder of First World Theater Ensemble. See, musicals that would cost twenty five, thirty thousand dollars we have put on for under ten thousand dollars and paid the rights for the music. And in yeah. the use of everything, did everything above board, but mm-hmm. the ability to um you know, put on a quality reduction again is is knowing a certain know 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 how, knowing what you really need to pay for and what you really don't, what you can create on your own. It, um, maximizing the resources and talents that's already around you and creating a win-win scenarios that, you know, allows you to do that. And it's business, but it's also, it still, again, takes a creative mind. You don't always have to necessarily separate yourself. But what oh, I want to do right now, um, real quick, I just want to take a moment because somebody's on the line. We have a caller from the 609. Hello? Hey, Earl Harvey checking in to say hey over there. Hey, Earl, how you doing? What you call me for 609? You left the city? Yeah, left the city in Atlantic City now, trying to do some things down here and open up this market for African-American marketers and entertainers and promoters. Well, I'll well, be you... here. I'm already going to be in contact very soon. Good, good, good. Yeah, they got a lot of potential down here. Okay. Yeah, just to share with everyone, Earl Harvey is also the publisher of the Black Professional News. And it gets around and around and around. Pipe <laughs> <laughs> so, up for me in the chat room so I can hear you better on that second. Okay, I definitely will. And um, but and it's very reasonable to advertise and extremely. You can get a full page ad for 
under 500. So it's extreme, and it's it's a big size newspaper. It's not a little eight and a half by eleven, and so definitely you want to consider it because he delivers it digitally, but also um, it's um, they put it out once a month at all types of events. Twice a month now. Oh, twice a month. Okay. Yeah, rolling, okay. baby. Twice a month, and you know, for small businesses and promoters and people looking to network, uh, professionals, you know, just trying to keep information flowing in the community. Okay. What's the um the website, Earl? It's earlharvey.com. www.earlharvey. That's all one word. Earlharvey.com. Okay. You know, Earl, so now take a moment. I'm actually going to be coming into Atlantic City doing monthly gigs. Um, it's at the location where that um, folk restaurant used to be, um, another restaurant. Coming in Kelsey now. and Kim. That's, yep, that's Kel- what I'm going to Kelsey do. Kelsey and Kim, yeah. Today. Oh, they good. Mm-hmm. Sure I was still going to do it. So. Uh, we definitely want to promote that then. Yeah. Okay, I'll make sure I get in touch with you. <laughs> All right. Great. Earl, just give us a little background. People don't understand, like, when you got history, you know, that's another thing about the blessing of the times that we live in, you know, and the accessibility. But, um, you know, Earl is walking black history. So, you know, give us a little bit about Earl Harvey, the NAMD, and Give us a little bit, Earl, so sure, we can respect sure. that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, I, 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 first of all, I want to thank you for all the work that you're doing, Jackie. Um, you know, marketing and promoting and providing a forum for people to exchange information is something that's surely needed in the African American community. Um, people of color, you know, just don't have the access to information that the other communities do. And, um, you know, we need as many people, you know, out there putting information out there so people can access it on a on a regular basis, either electronically, you know, through the Internet or through their phones or through all these wonderful applications out there and, um, you know, email, you know, just everything, websites, you know. So it's all real important for all of us that have a platform to share the platform so other people can take advantage of it. So I want to thank you for the work that you're doing. Oh, well, thank you, Earl. <laughs> you know, now, I, I've been blessed. Um, you know, I had a, I've had a relationship with an organization called NAMD, the National Alliance of Market Developers, for uh, going on almost 20 years now. And uh, they were the first uh, marketing and corporate relations organization uh, for African Americans when they were founded back in the 1940s. And uh, the mission of the founders of the organization was to introduce uh, the black consumer market uh, to corporate America, because up until that time, Corporations were, you know, through their racist tactics, were refusing to advertise their products and services to people of color, and um, it was just what was going on at the time. It was before the civil rights movement, and corporate corporations were not willing to invest in developing the black consumer market um, through advertising, marketing, or promotions. And um, the group of individuals that founded our organization were the first group of brothers to step to corporate America and say, look, you know, what you all are doing is wrong. Um, But more importantly, from a business standpoint, you're missing a huge opportunity to increase your sales and your customer base by not marketing to people of color. And it took a while for these corporations to, you know, um, hear the message. But eventually they did, and uh, the the beverage companies were first, uh, some of the alcohol companies and some of the um, soft drink companies like Royal Crown and um, Pepsi and uh, later Coca-Cola 
these are the companies that were some of the early companies that got in, involved in the black consumer market. But, um, you know, it's taken all this time for our market to be fully developed. We're almost a trillion-dollar market now, and the numbers go up every year. So, you know, if you look at the last election and see the impact that, you know, black consumers had on this election and Latino consumers, it shows you the power of people of color and how, you know, our communities can no longer be ignored when it comes to um, politics, economics, social Mm -hmm. issues, civil rights, human rights. You know, the color of America is changing to brown. And companies don't realize it. If they don't get on on the bandwagon sooner, realize that they have to change their marketing strategies to include all people in America, not just the general market. Um, they're going to be left behind. So NAMD was the first organization to do that. And um, I've had a pleasure of being involved as the chapter president for Philadelphia and the national president as well. Okay. Now, Earl, I'd like to ask you, what do you feel regarding um, spoken word? You've been around for a while. Um, what can we do to connect it more to people than just the people who sit in the poetry rooms? Because I have learned that whenever, like, I generally will not, I generally don't take poets to the standard poetry settings, you know, unless I hear something like Francois says she needs an artist, you know, for something, then, of course, I'm going to share that information. But I generally like to present poetry, like, when do do to buy black, you know I'm gonna have some poets out there. <laughs> right, sure. But I like to present it in a place that you don't quote unquote standardly expect a poet. And I always do well. Uh, I know once I once I get the people to the stage, I'm not worried about that. But how do you feel, just in your experience, um uh, what's a way that you feel what we could do to help connect or maybe to alter that perception of poetry, that singular perception many people have? Well, there's been a lot of, of changes as far as how poetry has evolved, particularly in the last, you know, 20 years uh, because of television. But, you know, I'm old school. I go back to the last poets. So, you know, I go back to Gil Scott Heron. Mm-hmm. I go back to some of the the innovators of the new style of poetry, which was had political mm-hmm. and social implications to it. Mm-hmm. And that was introduced uh, at a time when America was going through changes, and these artists became change agents through their words. And if you look at what happened 30 years after them with the hip-hop generation, they became a continuation of that style of presenting poetry in a rhythmic way that introduced content to new listeners, which became the hip-hop generation. So poetry has evolved um, at its core when it was making political statements and uh, the young people were telling their stories through rap and rhyme um, until now where we have the opportunity to look at the neo-soul movement and look at the artists who've come out of that and look at how we can introduce poetry in different um, environments. You had the HBO, the Deaf Poetry Jams that were on, which did a lot to raise the profile of poetry for a while Mm -hmm. and introduce it to a mainstream audience. 
Um, but I still see, you know, a viable market. The key right now, which, Jackie, you know because you're a marketer, mm-hmm. is that when you look at your cable television and you see 900 channels, you realize now that there's a fragmentation going on in the marketplace where people are being marketed to and having niche special interest opportunities presented to them through the media. Mm. If you look at the gardening channel and the music channels and the teaching Mm -hmm. channels and the book channels, I mean, everything right now is customized entertainment. Conversion Flow is attempting to to do that as well. They're attempting to. They haven't really developed their formula um, to the point where it catches on, but they, they are attempting to. Yeah, the key is the key is to find all marketing now is is what they call niche marketing. All marketing is absolutely. So the key is not to try to be all things to all people. Right. The, the key is to establish your brand, establish right. your niche, and you get in and you claim it, and you find like-minded people that you can form associations with. And you all try to grow collectively. Being out here on our own nowadays is very difficult because it's just people just have too many consumer choices. Right, and so, that's one of the things we were sharing, um, Earl, before you got on the line, is that she was at Jacqueline was asking me about how I got started, and that's pretty much how it started for me. Um, mm-hmm. I created a niche based on what I thought um, I would love to see and what I, what I would love to vibe with, and so. Therefore, from there, um, I created a product, a couple of products now, and we are very in tune with my market, who I'm, who I'm targeting, who supports me. Very in tune with that, and we also mentioned some things earlier that you can do it. You can start locally and then expand regionally, etc. And therefore, it'll help you grow your brand and get your brand very, very. You know, I, I, I got. I know what my brand is now, and therefore other people have bought into the vision of my brand. And it is what separates me from other poets. I may not be the best playing poet in the world. I may not be this, but because I'm very clear about my brand and my product, and I don't stray from that unless my demographic begins to demand it, and they don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I pay attention to my demographic, and I provide it. And I've created a niche market for myself. I've created a product that if you enjoy it as a poet, you enjoy poetry, even if you don't know poetry, you will come to like it um, in my, in, with my, um, with Your delivery. Yeah, and I've that's the key. That's the so key. Many people. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I well, you know what I time. heard? You know what I heard um, with, through what you said, um, Earl and Francois, mm-hmm. this is what, you know, we 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 made a commitment to help the national poetry, but in this but this is where we all can move to the next step. This is what I'm talking about, like level movement that helps us create actual industry. What he said was everybody has a channel, not a show, but a channel. Right. We need to come up with if we all, and I don't think it's that hard because even if we just started off with, um. They got public access channel. Even if we have to start it off that way, and then you elevate it, but well, we could do a channel. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And all you see on that channels are various poetry shows. And if that would happen, then people, it would make it easier for people to see the diversity in spoken word because prayerfully all the shows won't be the same. Right. But there will be all different type of shows, but it could be all in one place instead yeah, of like all over the place. That's the key. Mm-hmm. And, you got to get in You got to claim yeah. the space. And once we claim that space and get that developed, now we have leveraging. Mm-hmm. Look what we have and look what we can produce. Right. right. And now we have leveraging power mm-hmm. to push onto other platforms. And then you find associations. I mean, when you talk about poetry, you're talking about literacy. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of. Now, now poetry is very good. Poetry dominates academia. Right, there when you it go. comes to academia and social affairs, poetry dominates that. that that's right. That's, that's no joke. That's a place that they do dominate. Mm-hmm. When you talk about um, audio books, when I first started doing this with the Master Grill Project, I was looking up, um, you know, spoken word, and every everything came up audio books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know, now when right. you mm-hmm. when you search spoken word, you will actually get our oratory art form. Mm-hmm. That we specialize in as as blacks and African Americans, mm-hmm. and that's why I called it the griot because I feel we're in a modern day griot because of the content, right? And and their and their delivery that, I mean, mm-hmm. they have real messages. These mm-hmm. you know these poets, and I don't care if they twelve, or if they sixty. They're mm-hmm. phenomenal people that have real things to say. Not everyone, but. You know, but again, it goes back to exactly what I tried to talk about earlier. Because as artists, we can tend to be all over the place. Um, you know what I mean? We can mm-hmm. we have a tendency. You know, I can write a whole lot of poems on education and all that stuff. If that's my market, but you got to make a decision. Yeah. On what your message is, who your market is, who you targeting. What you got to make a decision because what happens is if you all over the place. Don't get me wrong. I do a little bit of this and that, but I'm very clear on what I do. I'm very clear on what my products are. I'm very clear on what my mission is, what my message is. My message is what my product name is, peace, love, and poetry. And Mm -hmm. everything must fall underneath of that. And I even Mm -hmm. created a name of the product so that it's very clear on what I do. So, therefore, I don't necessarily target education. Again, it's back to business. 75% of my... 75% 75% of my revenue is through my productions that I actually produce. And then the other 25 is divided when I go to schools and do private functions or organizations and associations. But I had to define that. We're back to the business of poetry that we talked about earlier. And the reason that you asked me yeah. to and, and some of that also is in delivery. You know, like, you know, some of that comes with maybe you can do it yourself. Sometimes other people have help you establish, like, when I was working with um, Shice, Shyster mm-hmm. or a.k.a. Mrs. Betty's son, when I was working with him, if I wanted to define his brand, and, you know, and his brand is like, um, you know, you know, he has the voice of the black male. Right. And he's about uplift. But his his main brand is passion. Right. He has a passion that you know, and, and and everybody's like a little bit different. But his brand is passion. His passion. He doesn't have to be. He can make a mistake and all, and his flow and all. But his passion is so intense. That's what engages you. 
But and you gotta you, understand how do you mm-hmm. sell passion? That's we back to the business of how do you sell mm-hmm. passion? You sell passion. How passion mar- is what sells. Yeah. But how do you market them? And who are you marketing them to? See, these are the questions that artists have to ask themselves. And if yeah. they don't ask themselves that, then they need to hire someone like a Jacqueline mm-hmm. or she to consult them. Because what happens is you end up everywhere and you wonder why you're tired and ain't making no money. Yeah, and that's true. You always got to know your audience. You have to know who you are speaking to. And that's in any business. And that's where I say, well, artists, you got to understand, take business 101. We're not, it's not like we're smart. We're not, we're not even as, I mean, this is business 101. If you don't know who you're talking to, yeah, in this business, you can't establish a business or even create a product without an audience. And, and your Earl audience helps you. Hmm? Well, that's what Earl said about niche. Yeah. The thing is, if you define it and you know your demographics, again, basic business 101. When the first thing I learned in business 101, Earl, you tell me if you heard this or agree. The first thing I heard, the first rule I ever heard in business 101 is the, the teacher asked us, professor asked us, who's your market? Who are you selling to? And if you said everybody, I know you ain't thought clearly about You don't sell to nobody. Do you That's know how many people on the Internet today will not. say that? Everybody's my customer. No, they're not. No, they're not. Everyone is not your customer. That's why you're not having no success. you got to think about those things. And so, um, like I said, I just wanted to make sure that we stay focused on the point at hand is that the business of it, there was a couple of things that have come out of this today. Yes, you have to be clear about your mission, basic business again. And even if you want to do it as a nonprofit organization or for-profit, it doesn't matter. You've got to know your vision, mission, and purpose, period, point blank. Therefore, you can build your criteria from there as to what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. So you ain't getting tense and you ain't becoming a mic jack whore, okay? Then the third yeah. thing, the most important thing, as Brother Earl mentioned, you gotta know who your niche define your niche market and that's who you go after. Everything is about niche marketing. So what is how does your person how is your demographic that you're targeting or be open to receiving what you have to say? Do they wanna read a book? So do you need to get a book or do they wanna do CDs? Do they wanna do DVDs? Do they prefer a live show? Do they prefer to hear yourself in a play? Do they wanna see you at um association, private meetings, private functions? You have to determine that work, and you gotta be very conscientious and aware of your message and your style. You know, I have poems that I can't perform in certain areas, and I have to. You gotta be, you gotta be able to discern that very quickly, and you gotta ask the right yes. questions when you are getting mm-hmm. booked. So if you do, and especially as an artist, even when yes. you ask those questions, you may arrive to a place that's supposed to be one way. Or the atmosphere could just change. You have to, you have to be able to fill things out because if you, you know, you just may get someplace in the vibe or, hey, say something, things happen. Maybe you booked this time where it's a happy time, and by the time you actually went to the booking, something real detrimental has happened, and you know, so certain things you may not necessarily want to say or play on because you're in the midst of, you know. You're in an area, just like right now, where we're we just talking back and forth on Facebook, where one person I talk to all the time, they, they were still without lights. I don't think they are today, but two days ago, they still didn't have lights from Hurricane Sandy. Yeah. 
And we're just going on and on, and these people aren't in their homes. They're in shelter. They don't have no lights. He said his children was asking him, I don't know what, you know. And you just realize, like, oh, my gosh. You know, know, I'm realizing my whole audience, like, oh, my gosh, there are people right around me that are suffering right now. And I'm not aware, you know, I'm not um, sensitive to it. So, And those are just, you know, basic things and all. And I also like to say to people, when you're trying to decide, and I find this all people, all businesses, when you're trying to decide a formation of your business, before you form your business, do these other things that um, she's saying first. Figure out who your audience is. Figure out what your niche is. Um, how are you going to navigate? Do your own your business plan or whatnot. Because that's going to tell you what, don't form an LLC because that's the thing to do. That's what everybody goes do. Everybody say form an LLC. Well, is an LLC actually best for your business? And what you may not know, since last year, since this year came in, there's been um, two formations and then hybrids of that of social entrepreneurial businesses. One is a social hybrid of the corporation. One is a social hybrid of the um, LLC. And then there are a couple hybrids that break out in other states. And they may be called different things. But there's basically two social hybrids um, if if your business is more social-based as to profit-based. And um, so... You know, that just says before you make that decision, don't just do it because everybody else is doing it. You need to make sure that you form a business structure that supports whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. And um, and mm-hmm. especially because, you know, once you form, you got to pay taxes, you got to do all of this. You got to make sure you're ready to do that and you have um, and you can afford to do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make another point too, Jackie. When I was talking earlier about NAMD, the National Alliance of Market Developers, that was formed by a group of individuals who got together, and they were all marketers, and they were all working, you know, with corporations um, to do the same thing. They had the same mission, which was to introduce products and services to the black consumer market. But the key to that is association. They came together and they formed a group to do it, to give them the leverage to talk to corporate America as a group. So when you talk about, you know, how can you elevate spoken word, how can you, you know, change the perceptions and get it to a broader audience, there's strength in numbers. And if there's not an association of spoken word performers, there needs to be one, you know, oh, where people can come together. There are a lot of associations. Yeah, there are a lot come of together associations. And promoters, promoters can know where to find qualified people who are not just out here hustling. You know, it gives promoters a place to come. It gives people that own venues a place to come. It gives you all the strength to know that, hey, there could be some opportunities in different markets for you all to share. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are a number of ways to hit it, but you, you, uh, there's a phrase that a rising tide lifts all boats. So if you get a lot mm-hmm. of people who are, if you get a lot of people that are talking about the same thing and trying to do things as a group, mm-hmm. a lot of times it helps overall. I do agree. I do agree. That's why uh, the mass agree or we're, we're working to, you know, just form you know, partnerships are like, hey, let's come together and see what we can do because mm-hmm. we're not here really to recreate the wheel because right. I see a lot of things that are actually being done, but they're um, certainly every area is being addressed except for this, this business side. That's why people like Sweet Franchon are so important. And there are, a lot of, uh, there are a lot of people doing it, but then there's this fear. 
which may not be so much now. I think the Internet has been a, a big equalizer, but if you take it five, six more years ago, there was a fear of sharing, afraid that somebody would get somewhere before you got there. Sure. People so fight this each whole thing was not, yeah, yeah. So it's Fighting a big thing content. about not sharing. <laughs> right, sure, I understand that. But see, but yeah. the, the, there's a way to do things from a to organize from a business perspective, which eliminates the, the content sharing and stealing aspect of it. Okay, so if it's approached as a business association where you are looking for business opportunities to support each other, yeah, and that that eliminates that you know the competitive thing and makes it overall for the group. So there are a lot of ways to hit it, but it's just another angle to look at to elevate to another level. Definitely. So, ladies, I got to I got to finish up a project I'm working on, Jackie. I want to thank you for this opportunity to be here tonight, and I look forward to following up with you and your guest um, moving well, forward to find out how we can collaborate with. From me right away. <laughs> there you go. With Jackie has all my contact information. I'm Earl at EarlHarvey.com is my email. Earl at EarlHarvey.com, and my phone number is two six seven two four four three eight six zero. Okay, give me that again. Two six seven two six seven two four four three eight three eight six zero. Okay. Pleasure meeting. Thank you, ladies. Alrighty. And and, um, with um, M. Austin from the chat room, she says thank you, Earl. (laughs) Oh, and and thank her for being there as well. We appreciate it. All righty. Four powerful men too. All right. Yeah, you know. Love it. Yep. All righty. I sent you an email, so yeah. let me know what you need. Okay. Yeah, good deal. Thank you all. All righty. Peace. Okay. All righty. Before we move on and you give us our last few lessons, um, Francois, I'm going to just um, hit this up. Um, this is um, um, Hit Up Laurels by Talam AC. And then cool. um, we'll... Um, and then afterwards, we'll um, we're gonna come back to um, morning ritual and Lamar Hill poetry for a living. That's and right. a caller from the three hundred two. If you do want to speak, just press one, and I'll bring you online. But right now, we're going to Laurels by Talam AC from um, oh, just just Laurels by Talam AC. Ain't no time for resting on my laurels when every day is an oral exam. And for the next man, I'm a walking target. He want to drive me out of business and take over my market. He's sick of envisioning himself as me on poetry's red carpet. Sick of putting out bullshit CDs that barely seem to turn a profit. And it's awkward because this ain't hip-hop, so neither one of us got to be the hardest. And it's not that I'm the luckiest, it's simply that I know where my God is. Do the knowledge. We ain't got to talk about summers. I am the only spoken word artist doing the independent rapper numbers. Who else order CDs thousands at a time? Whatever the catch is happy to hit the road with 99. I am not peace on earth, but I am peace of mind. Spoken word is a small world and a large percentage of it is mine. It doesn't matter who you are. If you own a decent system, my CDs make you want to pay off your car. I am not a star. I'm a businessman. I provide a service. I make my people feel like a million dollars within a system that makes them feel worthless. Like I snatch them out of the matrix. Like I tell them, go get yourself a glass of water and take this. Like I tell them, most of what y'all listening to is fake shit. Like I tell them the marketing studio time and their time is paid for by racists. And I know they hate it when I make them face it. But um, God gave us spoken word in order to give us the tools to get ahead. And our oppressor gave us that other shit in order to give us the tools to get dead. And they um, need it that way. And we um, need it that way. And we um, stand in line for the tools for our own demise. And we even seem happy to pay
Hello? Oh, hi. I'm I was I so I had unmuted myself. I do apologize everyone. I was speaking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks for that. You made me realize it didn't actually turn. But that was Laurels by Talame C and I apologize, sir, that I do not remember I didn't write down the um album. Which I used to know it by heart. But um I have I, don't know. I, I have so many hits. I can't recall which one it is. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm like, which one? <laughs> um, you can Google it. Uh, um, all of his work now, is, um, you can get digitally. So you can Google it. It'll come up. So, um, you know, just keep on with our lessons. <laughs> okay. Well, I just, you know, the last couple of things I just want to share with people. If you want to really get a clear idea of what Steve Kahn is doing, um, let me share a couple of my websites and things. I haven't mentioned that stuff yet. Um my website as a performing performing artist is Sweet Franchon S U I T E F R A N C H O N online dot com. My production website for all the productions I have is www.peacelovepoetry.com. dot com. Um the main two products that we have right now is Peace Love and Poetry, which is sort of what I call um open mic but not as usual. You know, we have our live music. You have to be pre-approved to get on my mic because I have to make sure that the poetry that you intend to share falls within the criteria that we set forth the piece of and poetry. Our goal is always to make sure we end on a high vibration and have a good time. Then we have Soul Opera. Soul Opera is our product where we um, actually telling stories of love and life through poetry, music, and song. And unlike a play, instead of asking and throwing in the song here or there, we use poetry and music to, to guide the storyline and to tell a story. Next month, December 13th, we'll be at World Cafe Live in Wilmington. Um, and the storyline there was Living the Journey. We'll be also relaunching my book, Living the Journey, Poetry Poems by Keith Franchine, Poetry of Love and Life by Keith Franchine. And we also have a lot of guests that we're highlighting locally in the area. We have Miss Ann. Uh, we have the Best Kept Soul Band. We have Kyra Soul. We have, um, I know I'm forgetting somebody. Lord have mercy. Forgive me, y'all. Um, of course, you know, as uh, uh, Tony Love mentioned, she's been on our microphone. We have a lot of artists who won uh, Best Performing Artists and Best um, Authors arriving as well. Um um, on our show, on our show, Alpha platform, we're always looking for untapped talent who just haven't had a platform to really propel themselves. So we're having a good time with that. So if you're interested in more information, that um, those are the websites. And my phone phone number is two six seven seven zero two three four nine four. So I just wanted to make sure I talked about that before my brother's on the line. Get on me about not sharing. <laughs> and um, I just want to keep the, the last, the most important lesson, though, for all poets and artists. You know, this is your soul's purpose. I'm sure. You know, it takes that in order to be um, to be able to do this day in and day out. Hungry, tired. Deep. You know, I just saw something online that says, you know. The difference between poor people and rich people are a couple of things. But one of them is that rich people do what they love and know that the money will follow. But continue to do what you love, continue to seek and grow, and, just, and, and look for the opportunity 
And don't devalue yourself. Know that what you have to offer is valuable. You just have to find the right market and the right people who are willing to pay you for your gift. Okay. Well, that is that is to the point. Um, you know, it's one of the, the biggest things. Um, I just would like to say, and I, and I think the tide is changing, but you know, spoken word is the industry. It may not be a huge industry; it could be a small industry, but it is an industry. So I'm you know, to be on the forefront of that. I'm thankful to be on the forefront and be with you, Jack. You're not the first world to be with you as we develop that and help people recognize it as an industry. So, you know, we are going to be talked about as the legends in this game eventually. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, you know, it's a good thing, but I do want um, the artist, you know, because you, we can't convince, you can't convince anyone else if you don't believe it. And sometimes okay. that could be my hardest sell. I believe it. My problem is, People I'm working with don't believe it, and I have, and I, I and I dream big, y'all. You see, I, know I, you I don't do things small. You like, if you say the show, I'm like, hey, we should do a whole channel. <laughs> you know? That's right. I That's just, right. you know, see it like that. But that I need to the point for the artist to actually see if it's viable. I mean, and it's possible. And and it's the worst thing. What's the worst thing you fail at? If 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 we were to fail. And you're reaching twenty people now. If we were to fail, you probably would have be be reaching about two, three thousand. Yeah. <laughs> Our goal might have been a few million. So what? The worst you did was become more known. It you know you know it's, mm-hmm. it's okay to um you know to reach out there. You know that's the worst thing that's going to be you know happen. But um another thing is really you know it's one artist to another artist. She said it. And, you know production. Is so extremely important, and I hear all kinds of excuses. I don't want to be commercial. I don't want. It doesn't even matter if you're bare. If you're if you're recording and you don't, you don't have to put music behind it, they're still mixing and mastering. And I had an 18 year old on a show last week, and it's called State of Urgency, who is also an artist, and they review positive music. So this is one thing I'm telling you, and I always throw on spoken word, and they always like it. But it said you think it would be played on the radio. And the guy said, well, you know, maybe if they took it back in the studio and they, because the words aren't prominent because it wasn't mixed and mastered. When you have somebody just turned 18 telling you that. Right. right. You know, so um, for, you know, for us to be able to see it is simply, um, you know, just to put out the quality there. So and, just, and that's um, what, always have to understand and understand from that perspective that it's about the quality of your work. People don't respect poetry because they don't see it as quality most of the time when it comes to mm-hmm. product shows or, or whatever. Yeah, or they feel like it, it can only be done in certain venues. Like he said, oh, right. yeah, that's cool. It's a lot of them open mics. He thinks that's the only place where you can see poetry. And it's an 18-year-old artist that's out there. Right, and, and that's why I created what I created because yeah. it's not an open mic. But you get to experience poetry, and um, you know, I know that based on what's out there right now, it is a higher quality um, than what people expect. But you know, I know that more people will do it. And when I start seeing it happening in more cities, then I know I've done my, you know, I know I can. Whenever I decide to stop, it's a job well done. Yeah, I think if we, 
again, I think the regionalization, because I really have, um, you know, just in my research and all, there are a lot of different things going on. And there are a lot of people that know all of these different things. But, again, the trend and poetry kind of been like keeping certain secrets to yourselves. But there are, like, um, as far as events that are much more forward and mixed, and that's that's been the vibe out, in, out on the West Coast for a long time. Right, With right. you know that that's been the vibe, those mixed shows and all. But even then, yeah. when you research it all, I don't think I come up with maybe now, but five years ago, if I could come up with ten, it still wasn't ten. And when you're talking about across yeah. the whole country, and then the, our production level, another thing. And since you had a brother on here, um, Dave, please video. If you're gonna do a video. Years ago, I came up with this brother over England, and he's good, um, Zephaniah. Mm. And his videos years ago, and these I saw them years ago, and they were old when I saw them. Mm. But they were full-fledged videos, even though it was spoken word. We got to, you know, just because you do a spoken word video, you know, again, it's, it's investing. Hey, just take one piece. If you can make a deal with somebody or if you have to pay market rate, just take the time to plan, take the time, do fundraisers. I mean, it's decided, but go after it. One good quality video can make a difference. I I search and scour the Internet for videos that I can play on my Internet TV station, and then mm-hmm. that I can pass off. See, there's a whole other product, you know, I'm developing on another side, and it's more, it, it'll be, I know it initially be taking advantage more by music artists, but then again, I, I wouldn't be able to throw the spoken word artist through there, but to go there, you know, you have to have a quality production, whether in music mm-hmm. or in, um, you know, or in video. Well, Right, and one thing, one thing that will bring those kind of people to you is that I'm blessed, like I said, Brother Dave, Brother Ivor on the phone, and that's what they do. And um, you know, but I had to, I had to prove my, I, I, you know, I had to, my reputation preceded me. So by the time we yeah. met, you know, it was like, hey, let's do something. But you can't, it's, you know, you know how it is. You can't work yeah, with everybody. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I've been really blessed with you know strong people who already. Have, make a mark in their own given, you know, mm-hmm. given field. You know, it's a whole lot of people that I, I haven't even mentioned right now, but um, that's what happens. And so, therefore, it might just be one project based, one project at a time, or, you know, just the one project and you're done. It could be, large, you know, a long-term relationship like, you know, Dave and I have. So it depends. And, you know, we just help each other grow. We just keep pushing and we keep developing and we're looking at things. You know, one of the things, this is a, the artists understand that I'm just sharing with you where I am because I might be further along in my evolution, but I'm nowhere near as far along as Talam AP, so to speak. But, my, you know, Talam AP built his brand differently by doing all open mics that way. I chose mm-hmm. a different route, um, but I've learned a lot. But he didn't just do... Yeah, but see, people understand. He also him. A lot of people, because at one time the open mics was the main platform that you had, it you is. know. Right. But mm-hmm. also though, he doesn't come in and do the art things for free. But they're reasonable. See, it's just two things, you know. They're reasonable. That he's not gonna say, look. I'm not gonna just come for free. 
you're gonna you're gonna have to pay me something in a certain amount, but it's not a crazy amount that people can't afford. But if you want me, I'm not gonna talk to you until you're ready to put up a certain amount. And he mm-hmm. and he keeps to that. The second thing is he's also strategic. He's not trying to get with just something all people do bad in business. Don't try to get blood out of a turnip. Don't try to go to a little open mic and try to make them people pay you 500 They're not going to have it. But if he's going to do that one for a lesser price, also when he's in the city, Talam is going to book schools. Right. He, he's he been working. He's been doing collaboration. He is on film. He is on so many things because he sat down and collaborated with other people. That gives him a high quality of work that right. he I wouldn't have been able to pay for. Talam, I want to mention that I was on Talam's first CD, so if you have it, make sure that's me doing an invitation. That was when I first got started. <laughs> what CD is that? Oh, I don't even know that. Oh, I, don't, I don't even know the name of the first one. I, I don't. I have no idea. It's over in and my, that, yeah, and that's thing I've noticed. Him and a lot of other different artists—they're very willing to. That's one place I figure artists are very helpful. I've seen in the spoken word field, they're very helpful. They will work on different people's projects and different things, and it and it's very helpful. But um, but I'm saying he's very strategic. If he's going to come to the city. He's gonna get. He's he's not gonna to pay to come there. He's gonna have some place to sleep, and he's gonna earn money while he's there. Right. That takes planning, but you know, um, and he doesn't just do open mics. Yeah. He does all types of things. You know, you guys, like you said, great writers. You know, your, your gifts and talents and skills can be used in all types of areas. So just don't limit yourself. And, um, I, you know, I think that's probably my biggest message. You know, open up your mind the same way you allow your mind to open for the creativity of the word. Allow every – nothing's impossible. We only limit ourselves. There's nothing that's actually impossible. So just, you know, leave yourself open, and I think, you know, more things will come. So the way I want to close out – because somebody said they want to hear some sweet Francois, so we're going to do that. We're going to go to morning ritual, and then we're going to um, roll out. Um, we're going to do morning ritual, poetry for a living, and then I'm going to come back to you to the 302-322. I'm going to come back to you, sweet, and anyone in the chat room. Everybody think about it. You have 30 seconds in the whole world listening. I want to know what wisdom you're going to leave us with. So here we go with morning ritual. Good morning, beloved. Did I did I wake you? I had some dreams about you, and I rolled over and I wrote a poem. May I take a moment and to share it with you? <laughs> cool. It's called morning rituals. It goes a little something like this. I want you as part of my morning ritual. There's yoga, meditation, prayer, and you. I want to rise with you inside, smiling and laughing at it all. The ironies of life and the everyday miracles that create moments of heaven on earth. You see, I want to know your scent and linger in it. Want to sit at your feet and envision the colors of your life stories. 
<laughs> yeah, I want to cook for you too. Sharing meals, the most subtle intimacy taken for granted between two. want to let you guide me through our future. Nudge me out of the past and dance into the moments of right now. I want to sleep with dreams of you. Have you beside me as we change lives. Creating many miracles, exhibiting his light through our work together. Simply I want to see the moon when you kiss me. I want to feel the stars when you touch me. Wake up with the sun with you inside me. After yoga, meditation, and prayer. Is that all right? Every time I tell somebody I do poetry for a living, they look at me weird. Like they don't believe that it's possible. I tell them that it is. I tell them I don't make my living off giving people reasons to buy a CD. That's crazy. I make my living off giving people reasons to live outside the box, outside the cell block, outside the cubicle. I tell them that a life lived without boundaries is beautiful. I tell them that the body can do whatever the mind chooses to. And I ain't got no illusions or grandeur. I know when my story ends, but yours begins whenever you get ready to move. Want to be a lawyer? Take your ass back to school. You only got a short time on this earth, so while you're here, you better find your niche and work on it like your life depends upon it because tomorrow isn't promised. Failure's not an option. Want to be a dancer? Get it popping. Work your angles like an architect with all your tears, blood, and sweat then disregard the people that'll tell you you're crazy because they too scared or lazy and too complacent to make the necessary changes. This life is about risk. Jumping in with both feet because the answer could be just beneath the surface and the timing ain't never going to be perfect but only 2% of the people on this planet actually do what they want. 60% of the people on this planet work for them. The other 38% are just too far gone. So you better get in where you fit in while you still can. Otherwise, die wondering what could have been. And when you think about it like that, doing poetry for a living makes perfect sense. It puts me in that 2%. I only answer to God. Program managers can't censor my shit. I'm a prophet that prophesies and profits. No gimmicks. I give it to you the same way God gave it to me. The pen is a pistol. The words are a nightstick. I just beat you over the head till you submit. No blue pill, just red. Here's some water. Swallow this. And this ain't about performing. This is two doses of reality, call me in the morning, this is word is born, this is you better get your piece of the pie before it's gone, this is one part heart, four parts persistence, cover the pot and let it simmer, guess who's coming to dinner, opportunities knocking, better pop the lock and let them enter, this is 2005, you can start a business with an internet connection and a laser printer, no excuses, get on your mission and consider all this the next time you fix your face to ask me what I do for a living. All right, all right. There's more Anthony Hill. <laughs> I think that's the spirit of the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, all righty. So I'm gonna go to first the three zero two three two two. Who do we have on the line? You have thirty seconds in the whole world listening. What do you want to leave us with? So this is Dave. Yeah. Um, Hi. How y'all doing? Hi, Dave. How are you, sir? Good. 
sweet, sweet friend Sean, that's my sister right there. She's doing a marvelous job. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to leave y'all with a little something. I'd like to tell, let you know that um, that dreams are the seeds of visionaries, and this is why we can reject our images into the future and bring them into fruition. So I just wanted to leave that little tab bit with everybody. All right, all right. And sweet friend Sean? Thank you, Dave. And he always drops nuggets of and diamonds like that all the time. And you're right, this is the season of visionaries. We need to keep putting these things to work and manifest and bring everything forward to fruition. And I appreciate you sharing this vibration with me, brother. That's all right. That's all right. Okay. And what's your, what's your wisdom for us, sweet friend Sean? Well, my wisdom is always, you know, to be true to who you are, and the only way you can know that is by being still and listening to that divine voice within. So if you stick to that, all is well. All right, all right. Well, here on Master Grill Radio, we speak for everyone, peace and love, and we'll catch you next month on Industry Mondays. Peace. All right. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.